Everybody turn your Bibles to Ezra. That's where I do most of my pleasure reading in the Bible. It's Ezra. I want to, I don't really want to talk about the story here. Uh, I would encourage you to go and Google. By the way, last week we're, we're starting, we're doing a 10-week series on our core values as a church. And uh, the first two weeks were, we are, a, we are a people that are submitted and committed. So we did submitted the first week, committed the second week, and then this week we're going to do rooted. <laughs> I have a shirt. And fruited. All right? Rooted and fruited. We are committed. We are submitted first, then committed. We are rooted and fruited. Now, you're going to catch on to our core values that there is a work that happens under and a work that happens over. Most of us in the church focus on the work that happens over, but we don't do any business on what happens under. And the manifestation of what happens over should be birthed out of focusing on what happens under. And we, we build movements on outward displays of God's affection, God, God's giftings, God's glory, his anointing, but, but don't have a life that's rooted enough for us to stay and walk things out. All right. We don't, we don't celebrate the, the stuff that happens under very often because it's not seen, right? And, and that which comes from, that's what comes to the scene comes from the unseen. And we need to celebrate the unseen because everything that you see would not be here if it were not for the unseen. And some of you are praying for stuff, but you don't value what is done under, all right? We need to value the foundation of our life, all right? When the builders laid the of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He is good, not was good, not will be good, not the best is yet to come, not the best has passed, but he is good. For his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with great shout. <laughs> I, would, I would think it would be with a great noise or they shouted with great shout, not just so-so shout. This is bad English. When they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Whenever you build a building, one of the first things you build in a building or you develop for a building, we have construction workers in here, is you drill down and you lay a foundation. It matters. Can you imagine? Uh, we, we get a plot of land. I'm believing in Jesus' name. Somebody's going to just donate land to us. I just know it's going to happen. Right on seven. <laughs> hey, if you're going to dream, dream big. <laughs> and, 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 and then we're going to go out there and we're going to drill down and we're going to make a foundation. And can you imagine all of us going out there shouting because there's concrete down? We will. we will, but can you imagine? 
Everybody think we lost our mind. We're all praising the Lord. The building ain't even up yet. We're praising the Lord because we got the foundation. If you got the foundation, the rest can. Many of us are praying for blessings. Did you know that blessings and anointing actually literally translated means weight? We, we pray for glory. We pray for anointing. But we don't know that it's heavy. And we pr we're praying for weight on our lives before we have the foundation to withstand the weight he's going to pour out on our lives. We pray for more favor. But with favor, with much favor, comes much responsibility. Okay, I thought that was funny, but anyway. Um, and so foundation has value. It is very important. I've been through some stuff. I'm just going to talk candidly. I've been through some stuff in the church that, I mean, you know, most people wouldn't even stick around. You know, and, and just trouble. Trouble follows you. And it's not just in the church. How many of you have been at work and trouble is following you? Just trouble just follows you in life. And, and many of us don't have the foundation to stand and last through trouble. The fruit is often referred to in, uh, from a tree is the gift. Everyone wants to grab the gift or the fruit, but no one wants to grab the root. The root's ugly, it's nasty, it's dirty. I mean, I like some ginger root, particularly. There are certain roots I will grab, but if it has fruit, I would rather have the fruit and not the root. Are you with me today? And so we don't value the root. We don't value being grounded. We don't value foundation. We live in a world that wants the gifts without the grounding. Just give me the gifts. I just want the gifts. Just, I just give me the gifts. I don't need to be grounded. Your gift cannot flourish if you are not grounded and rooted. If you're not rooted, your gift will take you places that your character cannot keep you. I'm, listen to me now. Listen to me. This is, I've said this time and time again. I'm not the only one who said this in the whole world. I guarantee you. Somebody probably said it. I probably should quote them, but I don't know who it was. Probably wasn't me that came up with this. But your, 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 your gifts can often take you places that your character won't allow you. It won't keep you there. And I, I, I value people that are gifted. I think it's important. But if whenever I'm connected with somebody that's gifted, I'm very careful to understand that part of my role in, in, in their life and in our life together is to make sure that their character can sustain them where their gift's going to take them. This requires some hard conversations. Let me just take this out of the church context. My boys are good boys. I tell them that, and then they'll become that. Right? No, they're good boys. But if they do something that's out of line, I'm going to challenge that in them. My, Landon and Ashton are very gifted. They both can be used for God, by God, in many different ways. 
But if I don't, as a father, challenge them where, where their character is waning, where there's issues with their foundation, if I don't challenge that, then when God decides to pour out his blessing on them, they will crack under the pressure. We have a responsibility as parents to not just, to not just make... Sometimes it is our responsibility to rock around our kid's life and call out the cracks in the foundation. Even if they will threaten to call the cops on you. you you've got to call out the cracks in the foundation. A good friend, listen to me now, a good friend understands the importance of a good foundation. A good friend will not just ignore the cracks in your foundation. A good friend will call them out. What kind of friends do you got? What kind of friends do you assemble around your life? And when someone calls out a crack in your foundation, do you run and find new friends? We'll be a church that values the foundation. That means we'll be a church that if we see a crack in our foundation, we will want somebody to tell us and we will want to fix that because we want to be prepared for when God pours out his blessing in our life. And he's preparing a foundation. Being grounded is what stabilizes you. That's where stability comes from. In an unstable world that is ever-changing, God is trying to stabilize you with a solid foundation. People are going to count on you to be stable. You can't move into any kind of position in life and not be stable. They can't count on you. You need a solid foundation. Makes no difference how you feel when people spend a lot of time talking about how they feel about their life, how they feel about their marriage, how they feel about their kids, how they feel about their job, how they feel about the church. It is a sign of immaturity. Your feelings don't have nothing to do with it. Nothing. I'm going to repeat because that's going to hurt your widow feelings. Your feelings don't have Nothing. That's the southern thing. It don't have nothing to do with it. Well, but God, doesn't God care about my feelings? <laughs> I love you. But he does not. He does not. He does not concerned about your feelings. He's concerned about your life. And most of the time, you're looking like this, because I'm just going to, I like to try to go straight nuclear instead of hitting in the middle somewhere. Just because just it just makes you have to go, mm, I don't agree with anything he says. And then you go read the Bible. I'm going to go straight nuclear, though. I don't, he doesn't care about your feelings. As a matter of fact, the things that he needs to do in your life is going to offend you. If he cared about your feelings, you would never grow, ever. Right? Y'all quiet up in here. You don't care how you feel. Listen, there are times, there are times, on, let me just talk about the church. Let's not get personal and talk about marriage and stuff. There are times I want to come here on Sunday. They're, they're not a lot, but there have been times. 
There have been times that, I, that I've wondered, am I even really making an impact? There have been times. There have been times I've been so mad at my wife. We don't have... I wrote basically... Wrote, I, there's been times I've wrote a dissertation via text about how I feel about the situation. It's so long. It's like a doctorate dissertation. You know, it's just... And this is why, and this is why, and, and check resource, and according to the coordinates here, this is why I want to kill you. You know, I mean, it's just like a text feed, you know, just into oblivion. And there are times I didn't even want to go home. But I went home anyway. Because it don't have to do with your feelings. Come on, preacher, real good. This is real good. It don't have to do with your feelings. You know why? Because she's my wife. Those are my kids. That's my house. That's my stuff. And many of us want to have ownership without being responsible for what we own. I just don't feel like it anymore. I just don't. I think I fell out of love. You see, that's even I'm feeling out of I fell out of love. It ain't about your feelings, baby. Love ain't about a feeling. You don't, you don't listen to too many dumb songs about dumb people. Love don't have nothing to do with how you feel. Love is a decision. And let me tell you this, love is a decision that God doesn't make a, re- make a request that you should do. He demands it. God never demands you to love. He would never demand you to do something that you are incapable of doing. If he's called you to love, you can love. And it isn't about a feeling. And I guarantee you, feelings will be the storm that tries to kill and, and destroy. And just, it ain't about the feeling. All right. I have, I have you know... <laughs> The effect, God told me this the other day. Sean, the effectiveness of your ministry is your ability to show up and do the little things over and over again. Well, that's no fun. I want a bigger calling. I don't want to do the little things. Matter of fact, it's the repetitive little things that make me want to lose my mind up in here, up in here. I don't want to do the little things faithfully over and over and over again and eventually we'll make an impact in the world, you know. I don't want to do that. I want to blow junk up. I want to blow it up. I want to throw it around. I want to toss it around. I want to blow it up again. Then I want to blow something else up. I just want to blow stuff up. I don't even want to lay a foundation. I want to blow up the ground with dynamite so that someone else can make the foundation. Just I want to blow it up. just want to blow stuff up up in here. That's what I like to do. And God's like, no, you got to be faithful. Be faithful in those things. Well, God, but this thing didn't happen, and this thing didn't happen that's in my heart, and this thing didn't happen that's in my heart. He goes, oh, isn't that cute? You have an idea of what you want to do. You ever had one of them conversations with God? And then, and then you know, it was probably, uh, there, I mean, I'm just, it's, it's hard to make a definitive statement on when it is, but it was about four years ago. You know, I, I really was taking the church in a specific direction. It, you know, it, we, I want people to be saved. I, I want to preach the gospel that men are saved. I, I believe in that. But I believe that we were, we had people that were declaring Jesus and as they believed in him, but they were not making him Lord. And you cannot truly be saved just by believing. You have to believe and he has to be Lord. I'm sorry. You don't have to like it, but that's just the way it is. Because those who are saved, you will see the fruit of their salvation because they have made him Lord. It won't happen in an instant, but it will happen. I had people, we had thousands of people get saved in this church. Thousands. It's been over 3,000 people get saved in this church. There ain't that many people come here. 
over 3,000 people have made a public proclamation that Jesus is Lord of their life. I have, I, I've called many of them, and I've asked them, what, what's your walk with the Lord right now? I just, and what, what did it mean when you stood up and you gave your heart to the Lord? They don't even know what they did. Because there was no foundation laid. And a shift happened. I'm going to just tell you, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you today. A shift happened in my heart where, listen, this movement ain't for everyone. How many of you know that to be true up in here? Like, sometimes I wonder if it's for me. I'll just be honest with you. Yeah. I'm just going to be completely candid with you. Sometimes I don't even want to be here. Because the calling that God has put on my life is not a popular one. The calling that God has put on my life and what he has anointed me to do, I don't want to be anointed to do that. I just want to preach a fuzzy little gospel. Makes people happy. And everybody leaves jumping and skipping and smiling and happy and goes to lunch. That's what I want to lead. I'm just being honest with you. Can we just be honest in here today? But God has called me, and he told me this specifically, told me this specifically. Verbatim. Verbatim was funny because then I had lunch with Tim. I had, like, a week before, I had told Brooke in a car in tears <laughs> because I'm wrestling with my calling, right? <laughs> okay. I know you're like, oh, dear God, you're our leader. Um, um, but um, <laughs> but I, I told Brooke in the car, and I'm still wrestling with it because I, I see what it does to the hearts of men and women. I see what it does. It is, it is a heaviness. God has called us to send leaders. That means there is a greater calling if you are here on your life. Okay? He's called us to raise up people, establish rootedness and a foundation in their life, and send them out. But you can't do that if when the wind blows, you get blown over in three seconds. I have no problem with every other movement that does something different. God has called me for a specific purpose. I sometimes wish my purpose was different. And I see the heaviness. When I begin to walk around, or when, on Sunday, when I begin to call out foundational cracks that are happening in the lives of men and women, that drives me bonkers because I just want to be liked. And God told me this in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in my prayer time with him. He said, Sean, I have called you to have a voice to the few, and I've called you to make decisions that the more decisions you make in faithfulness to me will shrink your sphere of influence. Awesome! Thanks for calling me to that. I just want to do something big and blow something up. And he's like, everything you do, it will shrink your sphere. We need a new business plan, God. Seriously, like a new business plan. He said, I didn't call you. I didn't call you to preach to the masses. I called you to preach to the few, that the few would be established to go preach to the masses. Are you willing to throw your whole life into the few that they can reach the masses? <laughs> That's hard, man. No, I just want to preach to a bunch of people. I'll preach to a few. I don't want to disciple a few. I don't want to be faithful to a few. I'm just being honest with you. Can we just be have honest time? I want to do something big. He goes, it is big. But I'm the, God of, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You best raise yourself up some Isaacs and Jacobs that I can do a big thing that you desire in your heart. It just won't look like you planned. 
So he's giving me a new desire. God gives you all the desires your heart. <laughs> Wrong. He doesn't give you what you want. He, he gives you new desires. And then you wrestle with it. You're like, I don't want that desire. I reject that in Jesus' name. And he's like, I am the one giving it to you. You can't reject it in me. Okay. I'm just, I'm just venting a little bit, right? And then I met with Tim a week, a week later, and he said almost verbatim, he goes, I just have a feeling that you're a leader who's going to be making decisions that will shrink, shrink your sphere of influence. I was like, you've been, you've been bugging my car. Okay. If I didn't have the foundation, I wouldn't be able to stand up under his calling. Sometimes God has calls me to do things that are not popular by nature of my calling. When God calls you to do something unpopular, are you faithful to say yes? Is it just about how you feel or is it about what he's establishing in you? If you're going to have ownership, everybody wants ownership, but if you're going to have ownership, you have to have stewardship. You have to be faithful to what God has entrusted into your care. You've got to stop owning stuff that you're not going to take care of. Okay. All right. The reality is for many of us, we're very gifted inside this house. And your gift brought you to a place of exposure but because you're not grounded, you will use that gift in a way to manipulate people so that they will affirm you and not God. That's why I'm glad God took me on a slow path to prepare me. I'm glad I'm not an overnight success. I'm glad that I had to go through some stuff, <laughs> right? Like, when I was in youth ministry, I, I remember saying, Pastor can't fire me. Because if he fires me, this whole thing will fall apart. Hmm. God wanted me to keep that job. But he's like, now I have to let you get fired. So that you'll be more grounded and rooted. And you'll learn. I, and, then I, and then I got another job after that job, after I got fired from that job. And I, th I think it was God. I don't even think it was the pastor. I think he was like, well... Sean, why did you have to go and say that? Now you're going to have to get yourself fired. And then I, and then I, I got a job. I interviewed for my job as a steel worker. <laughs> they, asked me, they asked me a list of questions. Here, here's the questions. There's a guy. It was a guy. His name was Brian. He literally could scratch the bottom of his kneecap without bending over. And he came walking through the gate. Really huge guy. He was like 6'6". He could scratch the bottom of his kneecap, and he opened the gate. He was like, come on in. You know, we walked. It was like a half a mile. Like, it was at a plant. It was like a half a mile to plant. We walked into his office. He sits down, and he goes, you know how to use a wrench? Uh, yeah. I know I'm a pastor, but I can use a wrench. You know how to weld? You know how to use this laser level and this laser level? I was like, no, no. You know how to big weld? No. You know how to stick weld? No. You know how to... And it's going to listen. It was just getting more and more embarrassing because the only thing I knew how to use was a wrench. <laughs> and then he cussed, uses a lot of explicitives, and he says, he goes, what good are you? I was like, I don't know. You are interviewing me. You brought me here. I, I'm just a pastor. I just need a job. Just, I'll sweet, whatever. I just need a job. And, uh, and he, 
He said, well, just so you know, you show up on time. If you're one minute late, you're fired. If I see you walking around without something in your hand, you're fired. If I see you standing and leaning on something, you're fired. Any monkey can do this job. Any monkey can replace you. And I'm like, okay, God, lesson learned. Like, <laughs> like, like, I get it, right? Like, you don't need to, I mean, I'm scared of him. Like, you don't, I, mean, I get it. I, I submit, you know. And I get the point. We are not irreplaceable. See, sometimes we think we're God. All God needs is himself because he is all things at the same time. You ain't that special. Come on now. Oh, isn't that just an encouraging word? I, I, just, I just feel so blessed up in here today. I just feel so blessed, you know. <laughs> Listen, when you, when you see yourself for what you are and you see him for what he is and you know you're not that special but he died for you anyway, man, come on now. Come on, and then to know that you're not that special, but he chooses to use you anyway. When you know that he could do it by himself, but he called you anyway. When you know that you mess up, and, 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 and he don't need no screw-ups on his team, but he uses you anyway. Come on, that, that kind of God that will use a people who he doesn't need anyway is the kind of God that I want to submit my life to that I want to be committed to, and that I want to help dig down a foundation in my life that no matter what it looks like, no matter what he's going to build on the outside, you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that my calling, the whole entirety of my life, is going to be laying a foundation. That something might be built on my life beyond my life. Well, dang it, that's no fun. And then I go to Ezra, and this is, this is celebratory for me. This might be my life first now. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think it switched for me. It's when God gave this to me, I celebrate. I was like, look, look at these crazy people out there celebrating about a foundation. And I believe that God gave me this picture, and it's just for, it's just for the flesh part of me. That, Sean, one day when you die, people will be standing and celebrating the foundation that you laid with your life. Listen, it's not about all what happens above ground if you don't have anything of substance below it. God is calling us to be a generation that has some substance to our life. And let me tell you, the foundation is just as, if not more important than what happens on the outside. Come on now. God's calling us to something greater. But it happens in the private areas of our lives. Come on now. I don't care what you do up here. What does the private areas of your life look like? Because that's what matters to God. He does not care what I do on this stage. Okay, well, he cares. <laughs> I got to be careful about that. He cares. He cares about these things. But his, mo his greatest concern is... That if I can get the private areas of your life to be dedicated to me, what happens on the stage is something I don't have to be concerned about. Because out of the overflow of the private recesses of your life, you being submitted to me, this will happen naturally. Have people call me some, how can I preach better? How do you study? How do you formulate a sermon? I'm like, you don't want my business plan on that. You don't, you don't want my action plan on how to build a sermon. It's a little schizo, right? Like, you don't want that. You, you need to seek God on your own. You, you, you got to stop. And I told, I told a guy this week, you got to stop. You got to stop playing golf and you need to study. 
He goes, well, I don't, I don't normally prepare my sermon in 30 minutes. It's like, dear God, what in the world? 30 minutes, you prepare yourself. Why do you have a church? How do you have a church? And why do you not value what it is God's called you to do? You got a great golf game. <laughs> Your preaching game ain't so good, but you got a great golf game. Don't call me. I'll point out the cracks in the foundation. That's my calling. I don't like it. This is the way it is. Don't, hey, they called me. Don't call me and ask me what you... I didn't call them. I didn't call them and be like, oh, by the way, you're preaching things. I didn't say that. He said, why is my preaching bad? And I'm like, well, I got a couple ideas. <laughs> Don't call me. Because I ain't probably not going to get in your business until you ask. Make it public. Then I'm going to get in your business. Right, Pastor JR? God help us all. You know, you know, you know, one, of the, you know the, one of the worst things in, in dealing with me and being in our church? We, that we, are, we are a generation that's overexposed. We're overexposed, we're overexposed, and we underdeliver. Because of social media, we are overexposed. We are overexposed, and it causes us to underdeliver because you can never deliver at the magnitude that you put out and you declare about your life. <laughs> let, me, let me make proof. You ever, you ever seen those, those cute little couples that snapping here at this place and that place, and oh, 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 we're doing dishes. Oh, yay. They done fight 15 times that day, but they got a real good shot on Instagram. And we know what, we know what overexposure is. It's too much light in an area of your life. God will always dig around you. I got I to gotta get, get, get you up. I got to get you up. God will always dig around you before he raises you up. You dig the foundation down before you raise the skyscraper. What are your core values? Now listen to this. I'm going to ask you this question. You know, It's great. You know the church's core values because we're going to preach through them. Let me ask you a question. What are your core values? What are you about? See, I don't believe that people spend any amount of time considering what their core values are. So whenever something comes up that might contradict what their core values should be or will be, they haven't even considered it. So their life is run by convenience of the moment. Because no one really sits down and weighs the cost of what they're going to make a stand for. There's no foundation. Core values are your foundation. Listen, let me, let me tell you what a foundation is. I will not go any lower than this. That's what a foundation is. Let me try, let me try to say it. And like, when you hire me, like Jenny, if you were to hire me for a job, here's my foundations, here's what you can expect from me, and here's what you can't expect from me. I won't go any lower than this. I might act like an idiot, but I won't go any lower than this. It's my foundations. It's my core values. All right, it's what you can expect from me, and it's what you cannot expect from me. You know what's frustrating to me? Not when people do something wrong or their foundation is not right. That's not what bothers me. What bothers me is when they don't even have a clue what they stand for. They don't know. And you can have a conversation with somebody and talk them into three different stances in the middle of a conversation. You best be reflecting what do you stand for because if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. I didn't make that up. Somebody said it was smart. The most important thing to anything that is built is the foundation. 
When you are buying a house, don't look at the windows, don't look at the cute kitchen, don't look at the floor, don't look at the accessories of the house, don't look at the really pretty chandelier that you know costs $350 that's hanging in the kitchen. You need to look at the foundation because you can have the cutest chandelier, you can have the best windows, you can have the best hardwood floor, but if your foundation's jacked up, you're going to lose everything. And many believers have not, don't have a good foundation, but they look pretty on the outside. They have some nice makeup going on. They have some really pretty outfit going on. They, 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 they look slick when they come in. They're like slick willy when they come in on Sunday morning. They're looking fine. They're all that in a bag of chips. You understand what I'm saying? They know how to pray. They know how to raise their hand. They're fine and they're slick. They're slick as can, slick can be. Slick and greasy. But that don't mean they're, they're, they have a foundation. Are you with me? Just because you're pretty on the outside, just because it looks like you got some stuff together on the outside, don't mean squat. Because that person can lose everything if their foundation is jacked up. And when you see that a foundation's messed up, you fix it. No, no, nobody, there's a 100% success rate on this right here. Nobody would be like, well, I'm not going to fix my foundation. It looks good the way it is. But we got Christians who do that every day. Matter of fact, we justify the crack. Oh, I don't really, that ain't really nothing. I think a tree hit that or something, and that's why that crack's there. That crack ain't there because there's something wrong with the ground. No, you wouldn't do that. That'd be as dumb as dumb can be. But it's amazing how people will do that with their life because they will validate the cracks for the sake, and they're never fixing nothing, and they wonder why their whole life falls apart. Um, okay. Most of us don't want to fix what's broken. We won't admit what's broken. Ezra and Ezra, they shouted because the foundation was laid. God sent me to tell you he has been working on you for years to lay a foundation to prepare you for what he's going to release in this season of your life. Stop waiting till you get blessed. You need to shout because the foundation is being laid. Everything you've been through is God laying a firm foundation in your life. Don't you dare wish away what's happened in your life. Everything. He uses everything for his good. Everything for his purposes. And he's laying a foundation for the blessing he wants to pour out in your life. Every bit of trouble you've been through was God setting the stage for what he's trying to do in your life. You don't see people shouting about foundations anymore because it's unseen. In fact, it's kind of funny now. It's out of style. That's old school. Just newsflash. You can't have a new school until you have an old school. And we best start appreciating the old school because the old school laid the foundation for the new school. So you best quit hating on what happened. I'm saying that with bracelets that men shouldn't wear and tattoos. But I'm telling you, you should value the old school. Old school has something to say. Come on. Don't you devalue the people sitting in this house that, that have laid a foundation for you to stand on. You best be thanking them. You best be showing some appreciation for some people that have laid a foundation. Amen? Don't, don't be hating on the foundation they laid. Don't be hating because you're like, oh, look at, oh, look at, my, fra look at my frame. I'm all sexy and stuff. And you just, oh, nasty old foundation. You better be thankful for my foundation because you couldn't look sexy unless they laid that thing. <laughs> all right. Can I say this? Uh, I know I can because... I'm up here, and I, yes, you can say it. Okay, I will. Um, if you have a foundation, it will be tested by a storm. 
That is a guarantee. <laughs> That's why it says lay your foundation on a rock. Not sand, but rock. It matters. Okay. Storms will come to try your foundation. And the whole test is to see if you're rooted and grounded enough to withstand the storm. Okay. We get into church, everything's going great, everybody loves us, everybody's cheering our name, and then we do something that reveals a crack. This is not the moment to go whoop, and cover your crack. <laughs> okay, here. Okay, here, here, here's, the, here, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. This is what happens when you get off your notes, all right? We're going we're gonna to do that different in the second service, but you, but you get what I'm saying. This is the, not the time to cover up your crap. We spend our whole life trying to cover up. Anyway, I really need to say it, but the cracks in our foundation. I would appreciate it if you cover up your crack, but I'm just saying, in, the, in terms with this, it just, it's best to, to keep it exposed. Because a crack that's exposed is a crack that is crying out all the time, fix me. It's important. We need to bring it into the light. The whole test of storms is to see if you're rooted and grounded in Christ. The whole point of, of storms, I, I, I don't know if this is right, but I put it in my notes. Let's see what happens. I don't know if this is right. This is what I feel. Don't you go tweet me. Unless you tweet, he don't know if this is right, but this is what he feels. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it. Are you really a Christian? Because the whole point of storms is to test whether you're really a Christian or not. Because bold proclamations are not evidence of your Christianity. Your mouth is not evidence of your Christianity. Your fruit is, and you don't have fruit until you have some root. And the winds came, and the storm blowed. And the house was well because it was laid on a good foundation. <laughs> if I follow you around, would I know that you're a Christian? I'm not talking about a church when you come here and you put on your Sunday best. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if I followed you, if, if there's a non-believer that followed you around, what would they say about your life? in the private recesses of your life. Would they say you're a Christian? Because everybody can put it on and look slick for an hour on Sunday. Come on now. Are you a Christian? Does your Listen, I'm not saying that it has to happen overnight. How many of you know that? It's a process. It's a process. Are you going to be an idiot and do some dumb stuff? <laughs> I guarantee it. I mean, just look at me on Sunday morning. I'm talking about covering cracks and all kinds of dumb stuff. I mean, I don't think Jesus preached like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so there, there's always work to be done in our lives. 
but are you stepping? When, when you see a crack, when you see, the cracks will come. The older you are, the older you get, the more cracks will come. We think, oh, it's just those new believers. Those new believers, they have jacked up foundations. And no, they don't. Now listen to me. It's the new believers that have a fresh foundation. It's you old ones that are all jacked up. Come on now. Because you've gotten some bad theology in you. you. You think you know some stuff. You think you know all about God. You think you're God's second cousin. You think you're special. You think you're, you know, all that. You know, you think you're wonderful. You know, the best thing since sliced bread. You're amazing. And so you don't, you, don't, you don't evaluate your life anymore. When someone calls anything into question, you're like, no, I'm, I'm God's second cousin. I don't think so. I don't think you know who you're talking to. It's not the new believers. New believers are like, oh, gee, yeah, you're right. Got to work on that. All believers are like, I'm perfect. Matter of fact, when I go, anyway, I'm not going to say that. That's inappropriate. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 <laughs> says this. We're going to try to close. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, <laughs> whoever hears these sayings of mine and then does them, I will liken them to a wise man who builds his house on the law. You want to know how to lay a solid foundation? Hear what God says and then do that jump. Now, not hear what God says and then make an excuse so you don't have to do that jump. <laughs> okay. Um, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and the beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But, what, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Whoever hears them but doesn't do it is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. A lot of us would never go build our house on the sand. But we build our life on the sand. Because we would rather be validated. We would be rather be validated by the world than approved by God. Come on now. God help us. It's not just saying hear it. It's saying do it. I'm not just... I'm not, I'm not saying if, you, if you're grounded, the storm won't come. It's, I'm guaranteeing you that it will come. Anything lacking a foundation, great, it says in the Bible, great will be the fall of it. Marriage without, the, without a foundation, great will be the fall of it. A business without a good foundation, great will be the fall of it. The proper foundation is, I want to say this, I'm going to throw this out there and i got to end this thing. A proper foundation is not crooked. A proper foundation is balanced. Many of you in here today, and I'm speaking from experience on this, are workaholics. And you've got to learn how to add some rest up into your life. Because just because you find value in working doesn't mean that rest is not a part of what your foundation should be. I spent years in ministry, the first 15 years of my life, the first 15 years of my life, working myself to the bone. I would never come home. I'd come home at 8 o'clock at night. I would, I would come home when the dinner was cooked, or the, and she would have to heat it up for me. And this is working at the church. I was working all the time, going all the places, going to everybody's house, going to every hospital business, going to everything. And I was forsaking my family. I remember one night... Um, uh, ten years ago, my wife called me in. She's like, this is not working. It's great that you're a hard worker, but you give yourself to everyone, and we get the leftovers. A good foundation is balanced. you got to add in a little bit of rest. You can be a hard worker, but add in some rest. Add in some time with your family. you got to be balanced. It's not easy to be balanced. Am I preaching up in here? we got to live a balanced life.
some things, some things that are good for you are not natural to you. Half of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. You best put a stake in the ground and you better make a defining statement of what you're not. Because if you don't know what you're not, you will do what you never intended to do. Exodus 28, 33 through 34. They're going to show this picture and I'm going to end. <coughs> You're going to have to... I think you stretched it full screen. You have to take that skew. Oh, I don't know how you... You guys are smart. You'll figure it out. Exodus 28 says this. And upon its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet. And all around its hem and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell, a pomegranate, upon the hem of the robe all around. This is speaking of the high priest's robe that he would wear when he would go in to make the sacrifices and spread the blood on the mercy seat. Come on now. You have the picture? Just take that skew off there or where it's stretched to full screen. You can't do that because it'll... Or add a new slide. Don't change it. Just add a new slide and then drop it in there. Everybody give a hand for our media team. It's a hard job back there. Okay, I'm I'm just going to move on. In this robe, this robe was made of linen. Listen, Listen, God was the tailor. And whenever God tailors something, he goes all out. It's nasty. Right? And it was linen and it had this, the ephod and it had all these jewels on it. But the thing I want to talk about the most is what was on the foundation of the high priest's robe. He said there was a bell and there was a fruit. There was a bell and there was a fruit. There was a bell and there was a fruit. And there was a bell and there was a fruit. And what would happen is they would wear this and the bells would tinkle. Ding, ding, ding. And the high priest would go in to the holies of holies. And all of Israel would be standing outside the camp waiting to hear him go in. And then he spread the blood. Now, if he, if he wasn't living a holy and set-apart life, he would die in there. Just drop dead right in the presence of God. Just, and you'd hear the bell go, ding, ding, and it'd be over. And they'd know we've got to drag his tail in out of there. But if they heard the sacrifice being done and they heard the tinkling of the bell as he left, he would take his linen and he would put on a new robe, a new garment to to fellowship amongst the people. When they heard the bell come back out, they heard the sound before they saw the priest. Come on now. It's Old Testament and New Testament. There we go. Praise the Lord. See the bells on the bottom? You have the bells. You have the bells and you have the pomegranate. The bells and the pomegranate. I think this is what Paul was meaning when he said that we are to love, that our love should be not be like clanging cymbals and banging gongs. He's saying this. He's saying you've got to balance the, the noise you make for God. The, the, the bells, the gifts. The bells are the gifts. The gifts that you use for God with the fruit. Come on now. You've got to, you've got to balance the gifting with the fruiting. Meaning this. Meaning this. If you have tongues but you don't have love, then you got to have 
You gotta have tongues, but you gotta have love to balance it out. You can't just have all tongues. You gotta have some fruit up in there to balance out the ringing. Otherwise, you become an annoying gong that just bangs around but has no substance. You gotta have some fruit with your gifting. Your gift will take you places that your character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control can't keep you. Some people sound good, but they aren't good. And he says, I want you to operate in your giftings. I'm not devaluing the giftings, but I need you to have some substance in between your giftings. Otherwise, you just become an annoying gong. And we're raising up a generation that values the bells, but not the fruit. And we're raising up a generation that has not peppered in the fruit because we have no root. And some of us have got to lay a foundation because mixed with all the gifting that God has given us, we got to produce some fruit in between it that we can stay where God takes us with our gifting. Are you with me today? It matters.